Hey, Bettys. Welcome to the Better Podcast. It's your host, Dr. Stephanie. It is geeky magic time where I step away from the interviews and just talk to you. It's just going to be me and you today. And these episodes, I'm going to bring you personal insights, frequently asked questions, topic du jour in a more condensed, quick, and actionable way. I go hard on the geek, wrap it up with sprinkles and magic for you to do and be better. Hey, hey, Bettys. Welcome to another episode of Geeky Magic. And we are going to be talking all about the booty today, or as um, as we say in Portuguese, the boom boom. We're going to be talking about building a better boom boom <laughs> and the many roles of our backside today. And if you've you heard me or follow me on Instagram, you know that I have talked a lot about glute physiology and the role of our glutes in longevity, in posture, in low back, in ankle, on you know, with respect to knees and knee rehabilitation. And I wanted to do a deep dive in one of these geeky magics on why the glutes are so important because we sit on our glutes, on our asset, you might say, we sit on our greatest asset through the day. Most days, you know, we're sitting, talking to our computers all day long. We sit to drive, we sit on the couch in the evening, we sit to eat and we kind of are sitting on our glutes all day long. So I want to talk about some of the problems primary roles of the glutes, what they are involved in, why it's important to keep them active and how we can use them not only as a rehab tool, because they are a very powerful rehab tool, but also let's just be honest. We want to look good in our bathing suits and our bikinis. We want to look good naked. And, um, well, at least I do, I will call myself out for being a vain woman. I want to look good in those things. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about how we can move towards building a better boom, boom in today's geeky magic. So first a little geeky nerdy science. We want to talk about the attack attachments of the glutes. Now there are three, I mean, the hips in general, uh, we have a lot of muscles, so we're not even going to talk about some of the obturators. We're not going to talk about some of those deep internal and external rotators. We're going to really primarily focus on the big movers. So we're going to talk about the glutes. The glute has three pieces, gluteus maximus, medius, and minimus. And when we talk about their attachments, it's actually really interesting because the glute attachments connect our upper body to our core and our lower body through pel- like through the pelvis, through the sacrum, there's attachments uh, to the femur and the tibia via the iliotibial band. So the glutes will attach to all of these structures, the pelvis, the sacrum, the femur, um, and the uh, tibia via the ITB band. And this is how the glutes actually are this middle person, this middle woman, this middle man that connects the upper body to the lower body. So I have prepared a short list, uh, which is a not incredibly not an inclusive list of the many roles of the glutes. So just bear with me, but this is really demonstrative of how important the gluteus muscles are. So 
The glutes will move the thigh backwards through hip extension. They will extend the trunk via hip extension. So think of those like reverse hypers, if you will, uh, reverse hyper extensions on uh, an extension bench. Uh, They will move the leg laterally away from the midline via hip abduction. So this is the coronal plane that you hear me geek out a lot on, on social and I've done it on Geeky Magic before. So basically when we're moving the leg away from the midline. The glutes are also involved in rotating the trunk and the leg via external rotation of the hip. And this is, so when we, if our leg is facing forward, if you kind of look at your foot, you can externally rotate. So your toe can actually, you know, if you think about a ballet position, like, you know, um, I forget the names, but position one and two, where your legs are turned out at a 45 degree angle, those plie positions, um, that is via the external rotation via the glutes. You can also rotate the pelvis uh, posteriorly via posterior pelvic tilt. You can stabilize the hips isometrically. You can prevent vagus, uh, valgus collapse, pardon me, of the knees. So, um, a valgal, uh, collapse or valgus collapse is basically if you've ever seen someone doing a squat, uh, and you sort of see the knees becoming knock kneed, uh, like they're caving inwards. And sometimes we can even just see this in normal standing posture where it tends to be more females because something called the Q angle, like the relationship between the hips and the knees are more, um, accentuated in the female, the female pelvis tends to be wider than the male. So it is much more, females have a bigger propensity for this valgal collapse of the knees or this knock need presentation even irrespective of whether you're doing a squat or not. So even just standing, our knees are more in a valgus position relative to the hips versus the guys. Other things that the glutes do, uh, they prevent overextension or overflexion of the spine. So anyone that's had a low back injury, you'll know, uh, particularly with disc injuries, when you bend forward, let's say you are, you know, you know, brushing your teeth where you have that slight uh, flexion of the trunk, your glutes are in part stabilizing you in order to do that. Or if you're reaching down to, let's say, put a dish in the dishwasher or you're washing the dishes in the sink, this is that mild flexion where the glutes are really integral to the, um, to the lower back function here. So glutes are really, really an important proxy or an important piece to lower back rehabilitation. Uh, they, they also prevent slouching. So anyone with like bouncy, strong glutes, they tend to stand up straighter. So it's a postural uh, mechanism for postural rehab as well. And of course, having strong glutes are going to help to reduce the incidence of groin and hamstring strain. So when I say groin, I'm talking about the group of muscles on the inner thigh, the adductors, the adductor muscles, and our hamstrings. Okay. They are also, of course, involved, as I've already mentioned, in sacroiliac uh, joint, uh, integrity. So where the sacrum meets the hips, uh, sometimes called the dimples of Venus. So if you kind of just press on your low back around your hips, you'll kind of feel these two bumps, um, over the hips. That is your sacroiliac joint made famous by Maestro Fresh, Fresh West, if you're a Canadian and you know that rapper, but, um, SI joints and of course, low back pain as well. So you can kind of see just from this preliminary list, how important, 
glute function is. And when we actually look at the makeup of the glutes, so the type of muscle fibers that they have, um, there's been, you know, estimates that look at glutes being made up of a combination of both type one and type two fibers. And the glutes are more type one. So there's been approximations that they are about 65 to 70% of type one, which is um, often referred to as slow twitch muscle fibers. And the remainder, so 30 to 35% being those fast twitch or those type two muscle fibers. So why do we care about this? Why does that even matter? Well, when we think about slow twitch muscle fibers, one of their characteristics is that they can go for a really long time without fatiguing. So um, when you're walking, for example, you could go for theoretically hours, right? Before tiring out. Fast twitch muscle fibers don't work like that. They're involved in more faster movements or heavier loads. So think of heavy weights, right? So if you are squatting or hip thrusting a heavy weight, that is going to recruit you, your fast twitch muscle fibers. And so do things like explosive movements, right? Like sprinting, or if you're on a bike and you are kind of doing like all out balls to the wall, that's also going to recruit these type two or these fast twitch muscle fibers. So when we look at the glutes in aggregate, we have this combination of slow twitch and fast twitch muscle fibers. So the, the question becomes like, how the hell do we train them then, <laughs> right? Like how do we, how do we utilize movements that are going to not only create strength in the glutes, um, but that are also going to form uh, structural integrity so that we can protect, protect some of these structures that are right beside them. So what we have to do in order to strengthen the glutes is is we need higher volume, right? So we need a high volume training program and more time under tension. Okay. So they have to be contracting under a long Delta T for growth. And we also need heavy loads and or explosive movements, right? To help to drive that muscle hypertrophy. And if you've ever seen, um, uh, I'll, t I'll credit this where credit is due, um, in, uh, Brett Contreras's, he's known as the glute guy, uh, in his book, he talks about glutes kind of acting like lions, right? And I love this analogy because if you watch a lion on, you know, a nature channel where it's like, and the lion is in the safari bathing in the sun, you know, <laughs> like when you think of, uh, when you're listening to these like sciencey channels, if you look at the lions, they're kind of mostly chilling out, right? They're kind of hanging out, lying in the sun and, you know, sleeping, but when they're hunting, right, it's a totally different story. Like they are very short time, like when they're hunting the prey, you know, they are using those glutes for that explosive movement to get ahead of and catch up to, you know, the deer or whatever they're hunting. The glutes are very much like this, right? So they will conserve energy wherever possible and turn off wherever possible when they are not being used for those explosive movements, for that long Delta T, right? That higher volume or for those heavy lifts. And it's not going to take you a long time to realize that that's actually how our modern world is, right? So this has been referred to as glute amnesia. Uh, if you have ever heard of a chiropractic technique, it's called dynamic neuromuscular uh, stabilization. Um, one of the original founders of this technique called this lower cross syndrome. It's still a, a term that is still used to this day. Um, but what we're basically 
basically describing here with this glute amnesia or this lower cross syndrome is that the glutes can become inactivated over time. And because they are major extensors of the hips, then once they are turned off and they are not turned on, then we will start to see other muscle groups, other extensors in the immediate proximal area. So think quads or think low back, right? Like your quads are major extensors of the knee. Your low back, of course, uh, are extent the erector spinae group and multifidae. They are also extensors of the spine. They will make up that lack of inactivity of the glutes, which of course can lead to, you know, compensatory movement patterns, which of course leads to muscle strain and injury. And from my observation, I often find that women suffer from this glute inactivity or this glute amnesia more than men. And case in point, I'll ask you, uh, you know, whether you're a male or female, you know, when you squat, right? Do you primarily feel it in your legs, like in your quads, which are the, in the four piece, you know, muscle group that's in the front of your leg, or do you feel it in your butt? Most women will say they feel it in their quads. And this is a really good example of that lower cross or that glute amnesia, right? So the quad and the glute, uh, the quads are extensors, the glutes are extensors. And what I noticed when I was in practice, when I would say, okay, show me a squat, you know, like squat it like it's hot, right? To my patient, if they were uh, experiencing low back pain or knee tracking problems or ankle issues or, or whatever, most people hinge at the hips, like they completely flex at the level of the hips. So if you can imagine a squat should look like you are sitting back in a chair, but how most people squat is that they completely bend forward at the hips and they're inactive. They're using a, you know, a mechanical strategy that is not engaging in the hips, but rather, or part of the glutes, but rather they might shimmy their knees forward, you know, over their knee, their knees will go over or track over their ankles or their toes. So that on that concentric, when the quads are contracting, then we will get more quad activation, right? Because there's more there. It necessitates more of an extension in the, an extension moment at the level of the knee or the same thing with that big hip hinge, right? So we are hip hinging. We're completely collapsing forward at the level of the hips, which is going to necessitate an extension moment or extension contraction in the low back. You know, I guess the, and, and I would say that most of my patients, when I would ask them to do a squat, most people are doing it incorrectly. So the question of course becomes, well, how the hell did we get here? Like, how did we all forget how to use our glutes? And one of the things that I like to always look at are little children. So particularly toddlers, uh, they are a phenomenal example of perfect glute activation. Literally, they're like the prodigies, right? In biomechanics. So when you look at a toddler, you know, two-year-old, three-year-old, four-year-old, when they're, you know, looking to examine something on the floor, do they hip hinge forward and sort of lean over with their low back or do they like get down and squat right into it, right? Usually they will get down in a full squat, something that I like to call ass to the grass, which is crude. It is, but it's exactly what's happening. They will sit in this full squat and they will often stay there for a long period of time. And they'll examine, you know, the item that they're curious about. 
And for many adults, we cannot get into that full squat position today. We don't have the dorsiflexion in the ankle, the knees, they feel crunchy and crep- there's a lot of crepitus in there. And then we don't even have the proprioception and balance in the hips to be able to stay down there. Now, I personally, I can do this full squat uh, and I can hold it for a long time if my heels are slightly elevated. So I'm actually working, this is one of my own personal goals, to be able to sit in this like toddler full squat ass the grass for as long as I need to. And this is a a goal that a lot of us should be working towards as well. We are you know, and this, this ability to sit in this full toddler squat, we'll call it, or that ass to the grass, it, we lose it as our children begin to, you know, when they're in kindergarten and grade one and grade two, where all of a sudden now they're sitting in these individual desks for five, six, seven, eight hours a day. And maybe they have an hour of recess and then there's like two 15 or 30 minute periods of, of playtime, another recess. So they have lunch and two recesses instead of the opposite, right? In my opinion, it really should be like six, seven or eight hours of physical activity and you learn through play. Um, and then you have maybe one or two hours of, of sitting, but over time, that's actually how we lose the ability to activate, um, the full flexibility of our, uh, joints in the ankle, in the knee and in the hips and to have the integrity of the muscles surrounding those joints to be able to keep us there for a long time. Let's talk a little bit about some of the things that having a strong glute can protect against. So when we think of that I call it like a glute-ageddon, right? It's like the modern tale of sleepy glutes. We are often sitting for most of the day. And you've probably heard this idea that sitting is the new smoking. Um, slightly oversimplistic, but I would agree with it in so far as the physiological creep. And I talk about this in the Betty Body in my book, how physiological creep can now begin, your muscles and your ligaments and tendons will begin to assume the position of that seated, or that flexed position of the upper thoracic area, that um, a that a lordotic curve of the neck, and then of course that elongated glute. Even when you are trying to, even when you're not in those positions. So when we think about physiological creep due to inactivity or due to staying in one position over a long period of time, this is going to necessarily impact uh, your low back. I've talked about knee tracking issues. This is a big issue for runners. I would get a lot of runners in the clinic with knee pain. And then when we would look, their glutes like you know, I'm not, not throwing shade at runners, but you'll never have a strong butt by running. Like <laughs> you got to train the butt with heavy load. Um, so the running, you know, can, it, it can elicit the, um, the type one fibers, but in order to grow, you need to lift heavy weights. So running alone is never going to give you the ass that you want. Um, and then you'll also over, over time with these, you know, with the same type of movements going through the knee and the hip and the, um, and the ankle, you will often run into knee tracking issues. We would often find, uh, something called patellofemoral syndrome, which is basically the patella, uh, not sitting in that femoral groove that it should. So it will click in and out of that groove, often causing like snapping, like a lot of snapping of the IT band, a lot of pain in and around the knee. 
The other thing that I would often work the glutes on is poor posture. So I would get a lot of women, um, just saying, coming in and saying like, I don't want to look like my mom. Like my mom has the worst posture. Her head comes into the room, you know, two minutes before she does and, or, and, or I'm getting married and I want to have really great posture because I want to wear my hair up. And that sort of upper rounded thoracic spine, uh, is what we'd be working on, but you can actually improve that by activating and awakening your glutes. And of course, the other thing is squatting the other before we kind of get into how this impacts our brain and our bones. You know, when you have this um, uh, dynamic valgus, so that like knee caving in, what's happening, of course, is the pelvis is going to drop um, at the hip towards the opposite side. So if you have one knee that's caving, it's often how it starts. You have one knee that caves and then both knees end up caving. But initially your pelvis is going to drop towards the contralateral side. And then the femur, the thigh bone is going to rotate inward. So you do that, you squat like that for, you know, many months, many years, and you're going to develop low back injuries, SI injuries, hip injuries, and knee injuries almost at a, at a, you know, predictable rate of a hundred percent. So we, we really want to be thinking about the glutes, not only as helping us look amazing in our genes, but as a prophylactic, as a part of a, you know, you can do it as a rehabilitation, but also I'd say prehabilitation, right? So before the injury happens, we want to be thinking about how we can be activating our glutes. So Again, with the glutes, when we think about their role in longevity, they have a huge role uh, in keeping us healthy over the long term. Now, I'm totally dating myself, but if you, um, if any of you remember those commercials where there was like an elderly woman or an elderly man and they were like, help, I've fallen and I can't get up, you know, like people, you know, those were, that was kind of like the joke of like the night, the talk shows late at night uh, for just forever. Ever, but those commercials were depicting a very real scenario, right? And most of us might know and or have an elderly family member, right, who has or has had issues with balance or falling. And while this may be, if you're a younger Betty, this may not be of a concern to you right now in this moment, you should be thinking about this as you get older. You are going to ha- want to have a strong base in your core, uh, which is from your diaphragm all the way down to your pelvic floor and in your glutes in order to maintain uh, a higher quality of life, right? One of the things I would always do uh, with some of my elder patients would be this test. And I would, I would challenge you to do this test as well. So if you, and you can do this with, you know, maybe an older parent or a grandparent is see if they can, and yourself as well, see if they can get out of a chair. So just out of a chair unassisted. So if they can get up and out of a chair without using their hands, then that is a good indication of some integrity and strength and neural feedback from the uh, proprioceptive organs in the, you know, the Golgi tendon organ, the disc, the ligaments, the multifidi muscle, which are this sort of huge base of proprioceptive feedback at the base of the spine, uh, coming back to the brain and allowing you to do that. So if you can get up out of a chair unassisted, you get a gold star on your chart, and then I'm going to make it a little more difficult for you. Okay. So if you can do that, then bring yourself, then remove the chair. So now you're going to sit on the floor 
crossed legs, crisscross applesauce. And I want to see from that crossed legged position. Now try to get up off the floor unassisted. Why is this difficult? Because now your legs are crossed. So now you have to have the flexion, the eversion, uh, or just like enough movement in the ankles and the foot in order to bring your feet down to flat. And then once your feet are flat, um, if you can imagine now your glutes are the lo- in the longest position, they are in that toddler kind of ass to the grass position there. Uh, and they have to contract over that long and potentially weak, um, area of the glutes. So it gets a little easier as you can kind of get your butt up to 90 degrees, but getting up to 90 degrees is very difficult. So that's level two. So see if you can get on the floor, cross legs and get up off the floor unassisted, not using your hands. And if you can do that, you get two gold stars on your chart. Okay. And then the third level of difficulty, if you're able to do that is now you're going to try and lie on the floor, supine on your back or supine on the spine. As we, when we were trying to remember what's supine, what's prone, supine on the spine, you're on your back. Um, and now same thing. So now you're going to try to get up unassisted without using your hands. So what does this now entail? So as we are, legs are extended. So you're completely as if you were lying down in bed. So now of course you have to use your core, which is not only your abs, but it's also your pelvic floor. It's your diaphragm. uh, It's your transverse abdominis, which is kind of this corset um, muscle that keeps everything tight. Um, And you're also of course using your external, internal obliques, rectus abdominis, et cetera, but you are using the entire core to get you up. And then you have to um, get yourself standing. So, so important that these three movements are that you start working on them now. And if you can't do them now, then the test, right, becomes the therapy. Then do that at the end of, or at the beginning of any of your workouts, work on it daily, and you will see progressive improvement over time. And the other, the other piece I want to just geek out on for a moment is that your glutes are really also like not only brain health, not only proprioception and, you know, the better predictor of your ability to do these activities of daily living, but also for your brain health, right? So when we think about the glutes are the the strongest muscle group in the body, not the largest, but the strongest. And the ability to, when we have strong muscles, and of course the glutes are attached in and around the hips, they're attached to the low back, to the leg, to the upper body, it is going to follow that the bone density of those structures are also, when you have strong glutes, that those bones are also going to be strong because you, as you build new muscle, as you have muscle hypertrophy, or you just improve the integrity of those glutes and you sort of avoid that fatty infiltration of the muscle that does happen with inactivity over time, um, you are going to necessarily keep your bones really healthy. And ladies, we know the risk of osteopenia and osteoporosis. It begins to climb as we age just naturally due to a loss of estrogen. But it also, if we are not actively working our glutes, we are not going to be able to keep our bones dense. So at a very minimum, you know, calisthenics using your own body weight, like that getting up off the floor unassisted, uh, is going
going to really, really help. Uh, but then we want to be thinking about adding weights um, and women. What I've seen in terms of, you know, progress from a rehabilitation standpoint is women have this like uncanny ability, especially with the glutes to like press their body weight with their glutes. It's amazing. I don't often see it. You do see it with men, but it's, it's at a much higher frequency. Like when I get women training their glutes, they can very quickly scale to being able to hip thrust, um, their own body weight or more, which is incredible, which is incredible. So, um, we want to be thinking about our glutes from this osteoporotic or, you know, more initially it starts off as osteopenia, which is just kind of like a thinning of the cortices of the bone. And then when we look at imaging, osteoporosis basically looks like, um, you know, it's like teenage acne in your bones. It's like Swiss cheese. There's like all these pock marks all the way through the bone, through the, um, uh, through the cancellous bone or the trabecular bone, as well as the cortices. So it's leaving you much more susceptible to fracture. And of course, all, if you've ever had a grandmother, uh, or someone who's fractured, they've had like a slip and fall, let's say on ice and, you know, they fractured their hip or their leg, like that takes them out cognitively as well. We all typically will see cognitive decline, uh, following a fracture of the hip because the bone is so damn big there and the muscles are so strong. The loss of integrity of that feedback to the motor cortex will often also lead to cognitive decline as well. So your butt is you know, is related to your brain <laughs> is basically the, um, the, the through line there that I'm trying to, um, that I'm trying to drive home. So, um, with all this geeky magic, um, the other thing, so the glutes are so important that I'm creating a glute building program, uh, that we are going to be launching at the end of April. So this, uh, podcast is coming out in the middle of April towards the end. Uh, we are going to be developing a glute building program that you can add on to, you know, an existing workout that you have. It can be a standalone workout and the end result is going to be stronger, rounder, um, glutes with more activation, right? So I like to say we're going to be working our butts on <laughs> rather than working our butts off. Um, I couldn't resist. What can I say? Anatomy puns are my weakness. So we're going to be working our butts on. Uh, we're calling it the Betty Booty Challenge. And if you want to join the wait list or you want to find out more, head over to bettybootychallenge.com. B-E-T-T-Y-B-O-O-T-Y challenge, C-H-A-L-L-E-N-G-E.com. And we are going to have a full, um, coaching program there. So there's going to be coaching, live coaching with me, as well as nutrition on how to grow your glutes, cardio recommendations, and also of course the resistant training part. So I hope that you found this geeky magic carpet ride on glute physiology as interesting as I had preparing it. Um, one of the things that I also want to talk about, and we'll do this in a separate geeky magic is pelvic floor. So this came up, I, I was talking to my, my Bettys in my Hello Betty program, and we were talking about the glutes and I was talking about this program that we are offering and the questions around pelvic floor, um, were really very, very much related to training the glutes. So the next, uh, couple of geeky magics, we'll be talking about pelvic floor, uh, you know, organ prolapse, uh, what happens post a lot of women when they have, you know, either just through age or through the effects of pregnancy 
pregnancy, labor and delivery. We see things like, you know, bladders falling out, uh, uterus uh, falling out of the body or just having a prolapse. So a lot of women will say, oh, I can't skip rope anymore or I can't jump or I can't run. I can't trampoline anymore because I will like pee comes out, right? Like I'll pee myself. So we're going to talk a little bit about how we can be building up our pelvic floor in the coming geeky magics. And that relates to glute training because glutes will indirectly help with your pelvic floor integrity by nature of their attachments. So we're going to be helping if there is a sort of a weak Uh, pelvic floor, training the glutes is going to help to tighten up, if you will, the hammock of the uh, pubococcygeal muscles. So the pelvic floor muscles are basically like a hammock that goes from your pubic bone all the way to your tailbone um, uh, uh, from the the bottom view. So we're going to be working on how we can tighten up the hammock also through glute training, but also specific exercises. And we'll be exploring that in um, a couple of geeky magics as well. So BettyBootyChallenge.com for your full Betty Boom Boom challenge and glute building challenge. And uh, I will see you here. Same bat time, same bat channel next week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. 